handle the truth. Bingo! You are now listening to the facts. Welcome back to Straight Facts, a sports show that educates and entertains. I'm Jewel Schmitz, accompanied by James Jackson, Jake Galley, and crunching numbers in the back, Stat Matt. This past week in sports, everyone, Jorge Masvidal recorded the fastest knockout in UFC history. NBA Summer League commenced in Las Vegas. 15-year-old Coco Goff made the round of 16 at Wimbledon, and the U.S. men's national team lost in the Gold Cup final to Mexico 1-0. Here's a fact straight at you. With KD going to the Nets and Paul George going to the Clippers, it is the first time in NBA history that two of the top three in MVP voting changed teams in the offseason. What does this mean for parity in the NBA? Uh, First off, it means that there are about anywhere from 12 to 15, depending on how you rate these teams, teams who think that they're going to have a chance to win the NBA Finals. Yeah, teams that you can legit make a case for. Especially in the West, like, it goes way deep. They have, Mm -hmm. like, 10, 11 playoff-quality teams. Um, When this happened, I woke up in, like, the middle of the night. I never wake up. Woke up in the middle of the night, turn over, and I look. And it's just quiet in the Clippers. I was like, oh, okay, good. And then the next notification on my phone is Paul George to the Clippers. Like, oh, I must be dreaming. I go back to sleep. Wait, let me get get this straight. You were sleeping on Saturday night um, of 4th of July weekend? Uh, That's... It was was way late. (laughs) It was late. I just wanted to make sure. Joel, you must think that we're very, very, like, fun people outside. I was at the OD down in CI. I'm taking shots, so I just wanted to make sure. I go home and go to bed. That's what I do after I leave the show. I go home, I go to bed, and I wake up the next day. But the same thing with me. I woke up the next morning, saw Kawhi in a Clippers jersey, that edit, and was like, okay, cool. Probably could have guessed that. Scrolled one down and saw Paul George and thought that it was, like, conjecture. Thought that someone was making something up. And they weren't. And now what we have is a really a battle for the city of Los Angeles right, and now. Right off the bat. I mean, you mm. look at that Clippers lineup between Beverly Harrell, Kawhi, and PG, def- just speaking defensively. They should be the best defensive team in the NBA. I mean, what do you do? If you're, if you're someone who handles the ball and you're playing against the Clippers, it's not going to be a very fun time. No, it's not. And, I mean, even if you go down low, for if you're not an elite, elite big man, if you're not the Jokic and Bede um, ADs of the NBA, you're going to have a tough time with Montrez Harrell, especially if, when he gets more coaching and more exposure and just more playing time down there and now he got his confidence up. You're going to have a tough time scoring the ball against this Clippers team. And they can give you a lot of looks, too. They're, like, like what, what do you want? Oh, you want a guard who can stick someone on the You got Pat Bev. You need a spot-up shooter. You have Landry Shamit. You need a, a ball handling guard you have Lou Williams and of course you have the two superstars in Kawhi and PG and that's so like they're so versatile defensively you legit have you know two players and maybe you know a third in Montrezl Harrell who can guard multiple positions you definitely have one in Pat Beverly but you have two players on your team who le- could legit guard four or five positions on the floor at all times right and I mean my, my first initial thought and worry if I were a fan of this team is that uh, even though no one in LA is doing any worrying, but Kawhi and PG they have a they have kind of like an overlap of skills. They have a lot yeah. of similar skill sets. They essentially play the same position defensively for you sure. Think they, you think they're going to be able to make that work? I mean, I mean, yeah, because because you can switch off and move people defensively better than you can offensively if their skills overlap. Like if you're defense and you play and you guard the same position, you now you just take turns guarding that. Remember what MJ and Scotty did 
um, right. on the Bulls and on Team USA. They're going to essentially handle the best player like MJ and Scotty handled Tony Kukoc on on the Dream poor Team. Poor, and poor whoever that PG and Kawhi going tag team now. Yeah. Like now it's, oh, you got him for the first quarter, I got him for the second quarter. You got him when I'm off the floor, I got him when you're off the floor. It's going to go back and forth. This is probably going to be the best defensive duo we've seen in the NBA since MJ and Scotty. Yeah, it'll definitely be exciting to see. Uh, something that comes to mind for me is what is what are you going to get from Paul George? Because we saw him with OKC have his best season ever yeah. next to Russell Westbrook um, decides to now come with Kawhi. And that's a, he had his best season ever with a selfish offensive player. <laughs> now what does he have with an unselfish right, offensive player? A very well-rounded offensive player, I too. Mean, you, I mean, to me, you, gotta, you pretty much can accept or expect the same offensive production, offensive output, especially from three-point range. He's going to be the best three-point shooter in the starting lineup, maybe on, on the team. Uh, Sands, Landry, Shamit, he'll, he'll probably get more looks from three um, and maybe even better looks. But in, in the starting lineup, he's definitely going to be the best three-point shooter uh, in the starting lineup. But on defense, I mean, now that he doesn't have to expend so much energy, so much of the time guarding the best player, the times that he does, it's got to skyrocket his, his defensive rating. I mean, even last year, top 15 in defensive rating. Um, led the league in steals, um, and he's, he's not going to have to do that every single time. I would even argue he's not going to do that majority of the time. I would argue Kawhi is going to be on the best perimeter defender most of the time. And now what you get is you get Paul George defending the ancillary, you know, third, third, you know, number three spot on the offense for the other team, and you're really shutting that guy down. Right. And uh, you speak about the offensive side of the ball, and he was just killing it in OKC before that shoulder injury kind of mm-hmm. slowed him down. He ended up playing through it. Um, and having surgery right after the season. Between him and Kawhi, to be honest, the only thing that can really dismantle this team would be injury. We saw Kawhi, like, I don't even know, battling through, I guess, his quad again acted up. I never heard anything from it in the postseason. What what team, what, you know, majority of the teams in the Western Conference, especially, like, who doesn't have a little bit of an injury risk right now? The Nuggets might be the only team. I guess you could say that for all, but, I mean. I mean, LeBron's coming off an injury, AD's coming off an injury. Clay's coming off an injury. Like, yeah, that's true. You got, been a lot you got so many people coming off injuries. You know what I mean? Um, and before we talk about the other LA team a little bit, because that's really where the discussion goes in mm-hmm. my mind. I think this is the Clippers town. But just real quick, if you're a Raptors fan, how are you supposed to feel? I think you got to be. You're gonna say they they shouldn't be upset. I think you got to be a little upset. Like if you're, it, it it would be like if someone a new you know a new kid came to your to your hometown and you. You built this nice house for him. You had a great community. Everybody loved him. Um, you know, everyone cherished him. He did what he could, and you made him feel welcome and happy. He came out and said, this is the best year, the most fun I've ever had playing basketball, and then he leaves. Not only does he leave, he kind of strings you along to use you as leverage for Paul George yeah. and then jump no, ship. He- the entire time knowing that he's going to leave. He definitely did. Like, I know like I that, know, I know, you had to be kind of smart and, and, and know what you were going into Let me when ask you, you got this. him. Let me ask but you come this. on, man, no. He, he won a championship with this team. Let me ask you this. Let's say that you are uh, a Rockets fan, like you are. Okay. And you always got to make this personal. You, well, I think it, it relates best to this. Let's say they trade um, Russell Westbrook's on an expiring contract. They trade for Russell Westbrook. They trade away your beloved Chris Paul, and you're, you're a diehard Rockets fan, and you still root for the Rockets in this scenario. And Russell Westbrook brings you a championship. Yeah. And then leaves. Are you not going to make the trade 
because he leaves. If you knew what played out and you knew that there was going to be an NBA championship of course, waiting, of, of course, I so still then, make, of course I do. Then it can't be a discussion. But, but, I think you make the move ten no, times but, out of ten if you're are Raptors. You, are you saying? Are you okay? Uh, are you saying I still can't be mad after he oh, leaves after no, no, we no, win no, the no. championship? No, I'm just saying like if you were to look back on the entire time Kawhi had, if you're looking at like when Kawhi comes in, that's really what's going to be interesting to me when he comes in to uh, the Raptors arena and and if I think they have to give him an ovation. You should not be booing him. No. I think there will be some boos. Just I mean, the way the NBA is trending now, they may mess around and retire his jersey. Right, yeah, everyone's <laughs> getting their jersey retired. He's definitely going to get a tribute video. He might get a Drake song out of it. Like he might, <laughs> He's going He's definitely going to get celebrated. I understand that, but that's from an organization and a PR standpoint. The fans, put it this way, if Kawhi did this in Philly and he came back to Wells Fargo Center, would Kawhi get cheered? Y'all already are already prepared to boo Jimmy Butler. Would Kawhi get cheered if he came back to the Los Fargo Center? Uh, Matt's, yeah. Matt's nodding his head. I don't believe it. Nah, one. I don't believe it one bit. I don't believe I, it one bit. I, I think so. Yeah, I mean, how do we think our boy Drake was feeling that night? I I, I did see that the uh, NBA on TNT yeah. tweeted uh, a little picture that says, it was fun while it lasted, Drake. Well, I'm sure he's devastated. And apparently he made his own campaign to Kawhi. He was yeah, a part of a campaign. Of the Raptors, like, all right, you said your bit. Now my I turn. I don't know if Idiot. Kawhi was already on his way out if he already had this decision made, but they kind of like, it, you obviously don't know Kawhi if you're getting Drake's above and beyond ass to try to make a pitch to him. If you're crowding around his whole Hotel in Toronto, like almost have a have a mob and a protest outside for him not to go. That's what is going to drive Kawhi out of town. He did kind of play them. He played everyone in this situation. He played the Lakers he was a catch, hard. Catch me if you can type yeah. situation. I mean, he was right. He was he was meeting with the Lakers and he changed his destination of where they were going to meet a bunch of times. And now it comes out he did that so that he could also meet with Paul George to Whatever. say, "Hey, he, look, we're going to the Clippers." He duped the NBA more than LeBron ever has and didn't get slandered once for it just because he doesn't talk a lot. Well, and because he's not forming a super team. The problem with LeBron is he's that he's one star he's, short of doing so. Well, I mean, exactly one star short right now. There's no overwhelming like Golden State was no overwhelming favorite uh, to take home the title this year. And I think it'll be good. And I think it'll be really good because LA now has two great teams between the Lakers and the Clippers. This, the Staples Center for the first time ever gets 82 actual nights a year of, of good basketball instead of 41 and then 41 nights of mediocre maybe good basketball for the first time. It's always going to be good basketball at the Staples well, Center. And despite not getting Kawhi, the Lakers also drastically improved. Mm-hmm. They obviously bring in AD and they bring in a lot of uh, role player type guys, Danny Green, Avery Bradley. Um, supposedly, if Iggy gets bought out, he might go there. But then also DeMarcus Cousins mm-hmm. on like a very, very cheap deal. I think four something million, um, which is unfortunate for DeMarcus Cousins with how his market played out, but now the Lakers have a pretty deep team, too. Tell me LeBron wasn't the best GM in the NBA this past offseason. Look at what LeBron did. I probably picked Kawhi. Look at at what LeBron did. Jerry West. I'm I'm putting the Clippers to Jerry West. West. I think Kawhi finished a little bit. I guess. That's true. That's true. That's true. Jerry West is more just like the senior advisor. Um, But, I mean, LeBron's LeBron's making a run for that. LeBron is making a run for look. Look at what he did. I, it's very odd comparison to me because you look at LeBron James, uh, three championships, right? Mm-hmm. Kawhi, two. NBA seasons, LeBron's almost – is double Kawhi. Uh, playoffs played, LeBron 13, Kawhi 7. All-Star games, LeBron 15, Kawhi 3. I, I just – again, I think it's a very odd comparison just because Kawhi is uh, essentially a toddler to – uh, yeah. LeBron when LeBron right started now, his ascension, so, Kawhi was in diapers. Yeah. Right. So it's like, uh, I don't know. It's an interesting well, matchup. And, and it, 
what's really funny is that they are kind of juxtaposed in Kawhi is a super quiet, uh, conservative, oh, he doesn't go out, options. he doesn't show, <laughs> and LeBron runs a media company and is all over, he has his and voice heard whenever he wants. It's fun because they, like, they're an extension of those teams. LA is the big super media market, or the Lakers are the big super media market of LA, and the Clippers are kind of the quiet little stepchild, and that's kind of how those two act. LeBron is big and boisterous, Kawhi kind of falls back and does things low-key. And something that was low-key went a little bit under the radar is that uh, Kawhi and PG, they, they signed three-year deals with the last year being uh, Kawhi, Kawhi's Kawhi's contract wasn't big at all. Right. Well, I think I think he did get max money, mm. I believe, still. But uh, they now free themselves up for that 2021 uh, free agency period. It'll have Giannis in it, uh, LeBron, Chris Paul, just to name a few. There are a ton of guys. DeRozan, like, go ahead and look at that list. Mm. There are a ton of guys. Kawhi will be 30 years old when he comes off of this contract. Um, but we're now, once again, seeing that LeBron effect, where players are using their leverage against these teams to uh, i'm not going to lock in here for five years i don't know five years from now what's right. going to be going on the direction of i want the ability change. to be able to opt in if i want to not be here for too long if i don't have to and then always keep their options open and that's what Kawhi and pg do right here yeah i mean the, 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 i'm gonna try not to make this a whole lebron episode but it's, <laughs> it's definitely steering that way but i mean one of the most influential men in the nba the nba has ever seen History. and yeah. you you see it all the time but uh, let's go let's shifted all the way back kind of got on a little tangent shifted all the way back to the lakers on the court going into next season um like it is i know there wasn't much of a market for him but i think boogie could end up being one of the most underrated moves in the nba for what he can bring to the lakers team if they don't start him which i don't think they should if they don't start him he's going to tear apart backup centers all over the nba tear them apart and not only that we were talking uh just about the problems that the clippers might have on defense if they run into someone big you talk about a front court of lebron ad and boogie you when you're running that? out there in the fourth quarter what you doing with that Ivaka Zubak is getting eaten up by that. He's barbecue chicken uh, against that lineup. Like, like, what are you do? What are you doing with that? You don't do that. Um, like, but like Boogie after the All Star break last season, seventeen points per game, nine rebounds on fifty eight percent true shooting in only twenty five minutes. So you start if they'll probably keep him around twenty five minutes to start in the beginning of the season to see where he is. He's got a whole off season to rehab. But if you start bumping that back up to around starter minutes, 30, 35 plus minutes a game, then you see that production go up from Boogie, and now all of a sudden the Lakers become a crazy, crazy deep team. And, and remember, him and AD have played together before. They, they know each other's game, and we saw in the playoffs, Boogie off and on a little bit, a little bit spotty, but off and on had good performances, like really useful performances. Maybe not, he might not be that same star yeah. ever again. I don't, I, like Achilles, they do that to players. Right. But he can still be, if he's the third fiddle on this team, even if he's coming off the bench, like you said, and he's the first option off the bench, he can still be an extremely, extremely useful player. Um, last point, I think, to touch on in this whole situation is Paul George, the way he handled this. It happened in, yeah. once again, the dead of night. No one knew what was going on until it happened. He really, really did help out that Oklahoma City franchise by doing it this way. Now mm -hmm. he gave them leverage, and instead of it being a situation where you know he's going to leave and maybe you can get underball, uh, um, undersold on him, you can now have all that leverage in talks, and they got a huge haul in, in return yeah, for Yeah, I mean, and we've seen players do it the exact opposite, right? We saw AD come out and announce, I don't want to play here anymore. I'm going to demand a trade. Here's where I want to go. We've seen so many players do it recently, and because that, they screw their team over because now everybody knows that you're desperate to dump this man, and 
Now we're not going to give you as much form. AD was kind of different. They still got a huge haul for AD. Right. But but That's even AD. still, it, it showed the Pelicans' hand. And the Pelicans had to try to do some PR and try to save face. Paul George did that for the Thunder. And it really shows the integrity Paul George has that even when he wants to leave, I'm not going to do it by undercutting my team. I'm going to still respect Russ, Billy Donovan, and the whole Th- Sam Presti and the whole Thunder organization so they can get as much as they can for me. Because at the end of the day, you got to be able to look at yourself. Even if you move on to your new team, if you look behind you, you left an aftermath behind you like that's I know that doesn't has to not sit well with Jimmy some Butler players formula. yeah it's got to not sit well with some players and that haul that we are talking about uh going to the thunder four unprotected first round picks one protected first round picks two pick swaps Shea Gilders Alexander and Danilo Gallinari who maybe they end up moving he's a little bit on the older side and I can be useful I think move him, yeah. um so that brings me to this point. Yeah. Russell Westbrook now. The Thunder are in a very interesting situation. Russell Westbrook, um, once again, left by his star teammate. Um, and <laughs> the Russ. Thunder have to be looking around and saying, Poor is it rebuild time? Is it time to move Russ? Poor and not Russ. only if you do move Russ, where is he going to? Everyone's already spent their money. The last scene in Fresh Prince of Bel-Air where Will Smith is standing in the middle of the mansion in the in the living room and kind of just looking around and nobody's there. That's Russ like every two years in OKC. For one of the most loyal players in the NBA, that's got to hurt. Yeah, and I mean, it. it is a little interesting because he's been the guy who stuck around through all of it. He's been the guy who OKC has always been able to hang their hat on. He doesn't get rewarded for it. So he's he comes out and says that he wants to be moved. Or the team is now coming together um, with the agent and trying to find a destination for him. Like I said, there, there's no destination right now in my mind that really makes sense. Um, right off the bat, though, before we talk about if he's going to go to somewhere else where his possible destinations could be, is there any chance that Oklahoma City could take the assets that they got from Paul George and just flip them for, like, another all-star, superstar-level player? Uh, they could, but I don't see Oklahoma City, Oklahoma City really being... Um, and it's different because it's a trade, so you could end up flipping and getting somebody. I just don't think that's where their headspace is right now. I think their headspace is right now, let's move Russ, get as much as we can for Russ, and that's it's time to look for the future. It's time to blow this thing up and, and look to the future. I'll tell you what. They did a good job, and Gallinari is extremely useful, but Shea Gilgis-Alexander... No, that's a good young player right he there. He is a really good young point guard, and that's really the reason I think they move Russ is because to get the most out of him, you you're going to need to have him handling the ball. To get the most out of any guard, what you got to do. Right, yeah. And MPG. And MPG. But uh, when you look at where Westbrook could go, there's a couple destinations that come to mind. Miami is the one that's been a ton of buzz. They've apparently been uh, the most aggressive in seeking out a trade for him. Mm -hmm. It'd be really tough for them to do that. And I also don't think it works for a couple of reasons. Uh, Number one, Jimmy Butler just went there and signed a max contract under the idea that he'd be the guy handling the offense that would be built around. And moving Westbrook to that team would completely negate all of that He's essentially a worse version of Russell Westbrook. If, if you want to get the most out of both of them, it negates that. Russ could go to Miami. They could make it work and move Russ off the ball. And he showed a willingness, and he's even said, I'm willing to take a little bit of a lesser role to win. He wants to win. There's no doubt about that Russell Westbrook is driven and motivated to win. But to get the most out of Gets Russell... Gets his own way. Yeah, yeah, to get the most out of Russell Westbrook, he's got to have the ball in his hand majority of the time. So if he goes off of the ball to try to make something else work, you just don't get an effective Russell Westbrook. 
and, and even le- I don't even know what an even less effective Russell Westbrook looks like. I don't know what that <laughs> looks like. Less efficient, right? Yeah, um, I, don't know what that I looks mean, like. he did like a picture with just like a little edit with him in a Miami jersey. Like the picture. That's the P Heat jerseys. Is yeah, tough. they're nice, but so I don't think that would work. Um, and then another team that was mentioned was Minnesota. They lost out on D'Angelo Russell. Uh, could possibly be still looking to move to pair someone with Carl Anthony Towns. I actually think that this would be a good fit in terms of who he's playing with. He's never had a stretch five, and when you think about Russ, what's he like to do? He likes to grab rebounds. Cat is a stretch five, so if he's out by the three-pointer, that lets Russ do that. It also allows for when Russ drives in, if you have a guy yeah. who can shoot the rock like Cat stretch, can, stretch it, out. stretch it out for him, um, and it would also allow Russ to Yeah, be... but Russ, Russ has always played in OKC with a big, dominant center who likes to stay down low started with nick collison isn't really adapted to how stephen adams has played so i don't know if he really would mess with cat all that great plus cat likes to be a primary scoring option right it you, would, i mean you really can't stick russ in any team who has a primary scoring option already that's the thing that's like and then work. you look around another team mentioned was detroit which whatever you want to trade for him you'll get bounced in the first round another one that that files under that is the hornets who are on my shitty franchise list mm-hmm. um <laughs> I I actually could see them Russell trading. signed to Jordan too. He signed to Jordan is like really the one connector <laughs> there. It's the only thing that works. What it comes down to is this. Russell Westbrook, when he's 34, is going to be getting paid $47 million. Man, Do what, you, what 34 you know, four-year-old you know gets paid that kind of money right now? Yeah. And, and, and how hard is he to trade? Very yeah, difficult. Very hard. Very hard. I, I just don't know if there's a place out and there look, for a guy. Russ has averaged triple, a triple-double in the NBA season twice. Um, He's been three times, been very, very, very productive. But there's this mysterious decline in a lot of his stats, one being his free-throw shooting. And for a guy who drives the lane so much to be in his first nine years shooting 82% from the line in 2017-2018, that went down to 73%. Last year, it went down to 65% mm. from the line. For a guy who drives the lane so much and so ferociously and ends up getting to the line like he does, to shoot sub-70%, for any guard to shoot sub-70% from the free throw line is unheard of. So as long as you keep getting stats like that from Russ, that's gonna it's, that takes your trade value all away. You want something jarring? Him and Markel Fultz had the same three-point percentage last year. Let that sink in. Yeah, this man tough. is not good at shooting the basketball. It's going to make him tough to move. Yes, that's tough. Ben. But... uh uh, another spectacle after NBA free agency now passed, or I guess it's still going, but really all the big pieces have landed, is the NBA Summer League, which is where all the big pieces who have just signed go to, and they yep. show out in Las Vegas. Um, who were some of the standouts that you saw? Uh, I'm going to be selfish right now, because uh, I've been rock- watching the Rockets Summer League more than I've been watching everything. I don't know if you guys have heard of this man, Chris Clemens um, from Campbell University, one of the best scorers the NCAA has ever seen, third in the all-time scoring list uh, for the NCAA. For the NCAA. His first game, he dropped 25 points, um, and he's averaging now 22.3 points in the summer league. Man's is a certified scorer, just a, a professional scorer, just a bucket. And yeah. he could actually come off and be a very good bench player, a very good bench scorer for a team in my Rockets who do not have any scores off the bench right now. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I try and tamper my expectations a little bit with summer league because you never know what you're getting from these guys that are playing against non-pros. Right. Um, someone who is a pro, number one pick in the draft, Zion. Williamson, I thought he stood out. I thought he stood out. How do you call him a standout? He played nine minutes. Standout is someone that you notice, right? He played nine. It's impossible to not notice You noticed him before Summer League. He was the number one overall pick. What do you mean standout? Okay, how about this? How's this for standing out? He sunned Kevin Knox. Sunned him. Kevin Knox has gotten sunned a couple times. Right. 
Uh, well, here, here's here's what I tell you. Would you take this? He played nine minutes, had eleven points, three rebounds. Good. He's the number one overall pick. Okay. So he's he stood the number. Out. He's the number one overall pick. That's not a standout. That's that's meeting I th- expectations. I think, I think we're nitpicking a little bit there, but. How about this? Someone on his same team, Jackson Hayes. That's a standout. Center from Texas, 28 points, four rebounds, three blocks uh, averaged. That is a standout. Yeah. That is a standout right there for multiple reasons for more than one. Yeah, Jackson, that poster too. He was posterizing people, dude. He looks good. And then, uh, honestly, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, another one, is averaging like three steals, uh, two blocks, uh, 28 or 30 points. So not exactly. These are all Pelicans that we've named. last three have been Pelicans that we've named. Again, people write them off for the Western Conference playoffs just because of how tough it is. If this was like a year or two ago, they might be the eighth seed. Like, they have a very complete team there's been and the summer league is always fun there's guys like taco fall running around who i got to see up close and personal taco fall doesn't look bad no he runs the floor better than i thought he could so they actually um boston i think cut grushan yazabwile i don't i'm not i was never sure about how to pronounce his name but either way that opens up a roster spot uh for taco fall to possibly slot into you see someone try to take a charge from taco fall and go flying yeah for i would not want to do that support. i mean yeah, he's a move. he's a he's an interesting one earthquake there's earthquakes there too did you see the earthquake those might be the biggest standouts of summer league <laughs> that was scary dude i would be terrified that was biggest, somewhere in the biggest show stop place just starts shaking and the whole building starts shaking they had to cut the telecast because yeah. like it is it is way too dangerous Okay, guys, it's time to move on to the MLB where the All-Star Game and Home Run Derby got underway and was actually a ton of fun to watch Mm -hmm. from liked up players to possibly the most fun Home Run Derby ever. What do you think was the best part of All-Star Weekend? So let me just say, I think the MLB hit a home run on miking up their players. Because when you think about MLB, what do you dislike? You dislike the dead time between batters, between pitchers, uh, between pitches rather, and what miking up these players did, for those who didn't see, uh, throughout the entire game, players were miked up and were actually talking with the broadcast. Freddie Freeman, while batting, yeah. was talking this with the broadcast. This year was the first year they did it while batting. Last year, I believe they did it with Mike Trout when he was in the and, outfield. And it was and great. It was good. It was good. It was great because like, Freddie Freeman did have probably the worst at bat of his life. Right. But, but, I mean, like, you think about dead time, and now they take that weakness, what was a weakness for them, and they turn it into a strength because this happens all game. Look, the players, there's dead time for the players, too. They're standing around talking, chatting it up. Yeah. And people like seeing inside looks on stuff Transparency, like that. yeah. Transparency. It lets you it. know that these players are, are still human, too. I know they tested it in spring training before, yeah. and I'm really happy they decided to do it because you really you do see the other side of the mm-hmm. players yeah, and the more casual side of them and laid back, and it, it's good to see that side. Humanizes them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I think to answer the question, the best part of all, all about – you know the NBA All Star All Star Weekend. You know it's only yeah, two. It's weekend, only two whatever. events, right? It's only two events. Wasn't even on the weekend. Um, <laughs> would be the Home Run Derby, which is the best to me. The best Home Run Derby I've definitely ever watched. Probably yeah. the best Home Run Derby. I mean, when two player, when one player breaks the single round home run record twice, and then another player ties that in one of the same rounds, you got to make that. It's got to be one of the best home run derbies, if not the best home run derby ever. Especially when it's Vlad Guerrero's son. I mean, yeah. this guy was a, a much hype prospect. He was slamming the ball um, all night long. And uh, well, how about how about this? Do you like the the setup that they're now in with the four minutes co- uh, compared to ten outs, which is what they used to do? Look, I like I like the tournament format. I like that you know we're playing people instead of just right, most right. home runs. Move on. Um, NBA's done that with the dunk contest too, but. I would probably say I like the 10 outs more because it puts a lot less pressure on who is involved 
in the home run derby. You put less pressure on people, you're going to get a better product. Um, so if maybe for the first two rounds, it's okay. But if you're swinging that fast for that long and trying to hit, and you're not just swinging, you're swinging as hard as you can, trying to hit home runs, by the second and third round, and we see it, these players are dead tired. Like, they can't probably can't feel their arms by the second round, especially if you're like Vlad and Jock Peterson, who had to go to a three you know, a three overtime round, that's got to take so much out of you. And so by the time you get there, Vlad Jr., who hit 91 home runs, is ending up losing to someone who, like, to Pete Alonso, who hit almost half of what he did, hit right. 57. Yeah, and uh, like like you said, I think the matchups do make it a little bit more entertaining. Yeah. Um, but overall, it, it's just great. It's it's just great. I mean, it's the best part of the sport. And uh, actually, Verlander, Justin Verlander, might disagree with that. He came out and was complaining that uh, the MLB is juicing the ball. We called 100%, that. 100. We called that. By which, the way, we yes, said, we said the MLB, that. Duh, the MLB is juicing the ball. We said that like a month ago. Um, actually, Verlander is like four home runs away already from most home runs allowed in a season yeah. for his career. And that's going to affect harder throwing pitchers more than anybody because the harder you throw, the harder the ball jumps off the bat when someone connects with it. And Verlander is consistently touching 97 plus. You know what yeah, I mean? Well, I mean, here's the only thing, though. How how much could you really be complaining about it when you are in the All-Star game, A, starting the All-Star game, and, and you're Justin Verlander? You've already made your career. It's not like you're growing up through this. Um Jake, do you think any pitcher likes to see the ball fly oh, over not. their head out of the park? Not. That's why. And Justin Verlander is not used to allowing that many home runs. Of course not. Yeah. No, absolutely. You know what I mean? But uh, even going back to the 10 minutes or four rounds, or 10 outs or four minutes, I'm going to go, I, I got to choose 10 outs here. Because four minutes, you know who four minutes puts pressure on? Someone who's never, ever used to having pressure in the All-Star game? The pitcher of the home run That's derby. That's true. You know That's what I mean? True. Now, every sing, pretty much every single pitch has got to be a home run pitch because you have a limited amount of time. Like, you used to go back and the home run hitters used to take, like, the first three or four pitchers to let the pitcher find his spot. Then they go, yeah, right there and start to swing. Mm. Now, like we saw, I think it was Matt Chapman, but the first hitter before, or the second hitter, right before, right after Vlad Guerrero went, the pitchers are in so much pressure, and Matt Chapman's pitcher was terrible. Like, <laughs> terrible. Couldn't throw back Chapman his home run pitch at all, and now it's it's all the pressure's on him. Right, yeah, and those are guys who 100% are not used to being in the limelight or anything no. like that. So, yeah, I mean, really the difference can be who's the nobody who's throwing you the balls during the game. Right. Uh, that's, that's a pretty funny before, aspect before, of before it. Before we transition, got to throw this stat out there. AL is 19-3-1 in the last 23 All-Star games. I don't know what it is about the AL and why the NL can't win it. Um, and if you look at the NL has, like, the six or seven best hitters in the league right now. So why the NL can't beat the AL ever in the home, in the All-Star game, I don't know why. I'm just glad the All-Star game doesn't dictate who gets home run, home, home field advantage in the World <laughs> Series anymore because the NL would never grab that, yep. John, ever. Yeah, so guys, as fun as the All-Star game is, especially this year, as we talked about, now we're going to shift over to the Women's World Cup mm -hmm. uh, with the U.S. women's team beating the Netherlands 2-0 as we all witnessed to win the 2019 Women's World Cup. This means that in the 14 major tournaments ever played in women's soccer history, that's eight World Cups and six Olympic Games, the U.S. women's national team has won eight of the 14 and finished top three in 13 of 14. Wow. Uh, let that, me just that's say. That's absurd. Let me just say, USA. 
USA. Let's go. USA. Yeah, there we go. You, I, it's the team I'm happy to hang my hat on. Um, Very proud. I mean, Jewel, as a former soccer player, I know you're probably loving this I'm game. I'm proud of being American. Yeah, I, I <laughs> is what I am American, on this 4th of July weekend. <laughs> I know you're Hell proud yeah, of Hell yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. Women's World, Women's World Cup and 4th of July weekend. The Patriot and Jewel must have been shining in Seattle Oh, City. I was loving every you know second I mean? of it. Uh, what was your favorite part about the Women's World Cup then, Jewel? What, what would you take away from it? I'll be super straight with you. I think the atmosphere I was in down in Sea Isle at the dental. <laughs> just everybody doing their cheers. But, like, the exact moment in the Women's World Cup, I think, as cliche as this is, when they win and they all just, like, tackle each other. No, it's <laughs> jump on each other. You get, you, you get chills up your spine when you watch that happen because they're bringing it home to your home country, and it's just like, wow, they did it again. Right. Like, that's unbelievable. And I think, like, the best part about it, it was, like, new contributors, players who are not, like, it's not just right. Alex Morgan and Mega Repeal driving us home. And we, we talk about Rose Lavelle having one of the biggest moments in the, in the entire tournament with that left foot to, to put him up 2-0. I mean, that was a crazy accomplishment. And that's what I liked seeing. Crystal Dunn had a crazy tournament, too, yep. uh, on the defensive side. So I think that was awesome well, to see. But and, and if you look at the pure numbers of it over the last two World Cups, uh, the goal differential is 40-6. to six. Mm. Like, this is a level of dominance when you look at, like, U.S. national competition Never seen before. There is very select few that come close. Michael Phelps, maybe. Uh, the Dream Team, maybe. Is this the best national sports team ever for the the, the run that they've been on, including the last two? Yes. Is this the best ever? Including including the one Inclu in the 90s. Yep, yep. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. There's no, not for U.S., there's not been a team that's sustained dominance like this for this long. I mean, we've had dominance sustained for short periods of time. Um like chopped up over the bits, especially like for U.S. men's basketball um, and probably for swimming with Michael Phelps. But for one team doing it for this long, it's got to be the best U.S. And team ever. When, when you compare it to basketball, it's also more impressive because this isn't a native sport per se no. to the USA. If anything, we're like Say the it last louder for the people in the back. Yeah. More impressive. Yeah, yeah, it is. I'm here impressive. for it. Yes. I mean, right, you have all the best basketball players in the world. I, I would say that there's probably, well, I mean, obviously you have all the, but clearly they have the best soccer players in the world too. But Women's. Women's, women's soccer women's, players, right? But in, in all in all, more soccer talent is coming from Europe and and South America. Yeah, and it, right, like the U.S. is one of the last countries to really like adopt adopt soccer. Yeah. So to have this dominance is crazy. Alex Morgan actually made a quote in 2016. I'll read it off to you guys. We ultimately decided to file this motion for a little all the little girls around the world who deserve the same respect as well as the boys. They deserve a voice, and if we as professional athletes don't leverage the voices we have, we're letting them down. We will not let them down. I think we can all agree that yep. <laughs> they ain't let anybody they down. Nobody <laughs> around here down, ever. And then they do not at all. All right, right. guys. We're going to shift over to the crossover now. Uh, all right, well, well let's, yeah, let's, let's combine pop culture and sports with crossover real quick. I'm going to go first, and I'm going to say that poor, poor Russell Westbrook in the mm -hmm. NBA is poor. like my man Will Byers from Stranger Things. I'm going to do this without giving any Stranger Things yeah, well, spoilers wait a minute. I'm away. not done yet, so just, uh, no, no just be a little careful. Away. I'm not even done either. I'm like halfway through. I'm like episode four. Jules done, so I don't want to hear anything. I binge-watched it in like a day. Anything. I don't want to hear anything. <laughs> I'm easy. saying he's like Will Byers because my man does tries to do everything right in his best power and somehow <laughs> keeps getting left. Somehow keeps getting left yeah. by by his friends and his teammates. I mean in the very beginning of in the very beginning of the third season, 
um, Mike and Lucas get girlfriends, right? And Will's trying to still be in the same sphere and have the same kind of chemistry and team that he's always had, play Dungeons and Dragons and Mike's basement. And Mike goes to Will and says, what do you think it's always going to be the same? You think we were never going to grow up? We were never going to move on and get girlfriends? And Will just looks at him and goes, well, yeah, yeah, yes, I, I guess mm-hmm. I did. And I think that's what, when KD looked at Russ and when Paul George <laughs> looked at Russ, he said, do you think it was never going to move on? It was never going to be different? Russ is going to let you play ISO ball <laughs> yeah. all game? Yes, I guess I, guess I did. I guess I, guess I, I did. <laughs> Poor Russell Westbrook. Poor he God. does this. This is his fault. No, poor Russell Westbrook. It's a good intention and good heart. It's not his fault. He has the death. It's his fault. No, he he has the Dream Slayer taking over him. He, uh, he's here. Player, he's, yeah. he's 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 making me take a contested three. Game. <laughs> yeah. he can't he's making me dribble the ball off my foot out of bounds <laughs> under two minutes. Poor Will Byers and poor Russell Westbrook. Yeah. Uh, in the same vein, actually, is is my crossover. So this NBA free agency period, okay, is very similar. To this season of Stranger Things. Yeah. I mean, when you look at, first off, the monsters are out and about, again, uh, moving all across the planet. And, and just the name in general, Stranger Things. Uh, I, there are Stranger Things that I've seen. There's nothing yeah. that surprises me in the NBA anymore. And I I don't know. It's the blockbuster that everyone's coming to see. That's what they waited for. It does waited not disappoint. Waited for it, and it did not disappoint at all. Uh, all sorts of action. I, I cannot wait. To finish straight actually you know it's almost like bittersweet because i haven't heard i haven't seen i haven't heard the ending i'm not going to say the ending but like my girlfriend was telling me maybe they don't have another season after this yeah uh that'd be a little upsetting matt, but matt shook his head and ferocity definitely gonna be all right okay, so I'm confirm cool. it. Announced there's gonna be another breaking season. news from stat, stat matt. matt my yeah. lips are sealed <laughs> yeah stat stat matt is just the said there's gonna be a season four we don't want to do a season five so matt you're ruining it all okay. right Right. Go All right, Joel, what do you got for <laughs> us? Do my got? crossover have to do with Stranger Things too, since you two? No, it doesn't have to no, be. No, it doesn't have to. Good, because it's not going to be. Okay. Right. So, uh, I am going to compare Kyle Korver, who is allegedly and hopefully potentially coming back to Philadelphia, which mm-hmm. I would like to see because I am a Kyle Korver advocate. I am a Kyle Korver fan. Almost went, we almost went a whole episode without you guys almost. bringing this back Good to the job, Joel. Always got to circle back to where you belong. Always. Ooh. Always end up at home. And that's exactly what I'm getting with with Kyle Korver. Circle back to home. He started in Philly. Uh, I'm hoping he comes back. I'm going to cross him over with... Nemo. Finding Nemo. Nemo. Oh, he went away. That's a good one. And they brought him back. That's a good one. So go. who's Marlon in this situation? Who went out and Brian? Out and Brian. <laughs> <laughs> they play together. And they play together. together. Brian goes across the ocean and gets and gets Kyle Korver. Exactly. You think you can do all these things, but you can't, Kyle. You can't. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Love to see it. Right. All right. So head into the countdown, boys. Number five. Number five is for the number of times someone has unanimously won the Golden Ball and Golden Boot in the Women's World Cup. That's Megan Rapino, Carly Lord, Homar Sawa, Marta, and Birgit Prinz. I'm sorry if I mispronounced those last three names, but I'm focusing on the fifth one and who did it the most recently, and that's Miss Megan Rapino. Pino, as she's now called, the star of the U.S. Women's National or Team. Or Rapino, if, if you're the guy announcing oh my her. Oh, my God. God. New York How do you City. mispronounce I'm disrespectful name, as that. Look, I'll get to that at the buzzer. Go ahead. Uh, there you go. Number four. The number of teams that Vlad Jr. out-homered in the home run derby. Teams by himself? Had, yes, 91 home runs. 91. That is absurd. And he was launching about 29 twice. I mean, to be honest, he, he was a little underwhelming in the first half he of the was, MLB season. He was. But maybe this is something no, that kickstarts him. He turned him. it on right before the All-Star break, and this is... Hopefully for a home run hitter, yeah. there's no bigger confidence boost than hitting 91 home runs and breaking the record twice in the home run derby. Yeah. 
Number three. Number three is for number of players over 40 to catch a pass in NFL history. That's Jerry Rice. You probably expected that. Mm -hmm. Two and three are going to go right over your head. Tom Brady and Brett Favre. Tom wow. Brady, what can't Tom Brady do? Number two all-time in receiving yards for someone over 40. Well, he dropped the Maybe. one that mattered, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. In the Whatever. Super Bowl. Yeah, he did. That hurts. Number two. The number of times Vlad Guerrero Jr. again hit 29 home runs in a single round. Vlad 20, go Vlad. 29, 29 seems like a good number. I'm going to predict he goes for 29 in the second half of the season. This ignites Ooh. him. This this, this 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 is his launching pad is the home run derby. I could see it happening. Gee, if Vlad Guerrero hits 29 home runs in the second half of the MLB season as a rookie on his way to Cooperstown. Yeah. 100%. All right, guys, bring it down to number one. Number one is for the scoreless innings pitched by Shane Bieber in the All-Star Game, who ended up winning the All-Star Game MVP. Um, the, um, the MLB All-Star Days, I'll say, I won't say weekend, the MLB All-Star Days was really the rookie show. Two rookie finalists for the Home Run Derby, a rookie winner, and now a rookie All-Star Game MVP. We're seeing the future of the MLB. Yeah, this is my first time seeing Shane Bieber. I guess you could call me oh, a believer. No. Oh, no. How about Please that? Please don't. Please don't ever say that again. I'm we a have, believer. Count me in. Let, let, us, let us go over the stupid names by Jake. We have <laughs> Believer. Boom. And we have... Fixers, it's gonna catch on. Okay, they're the biggest team in the NBA. It's gonna catch on eventually. And at, at, with that, we go to at the buzzer. Julie, got anything to say at the buzzer? You know what? I do. Oh my goodness. The most pointless creatures alive. Uh -oh. Fruit flies. Here we go. Talk about them. I will because you talked about insects last week, yeah, and I'm hyped now I'm because it. I'm it's, gonna, it's about to be war, World War Five. I don't know how many world wars. I didn't pay attention oh, to history, nor do I care. But they are invading my privacy, and there's uh, it's about to go down two street. Let's yeah, make it down two street. Get them, Jake. Yes, I'm saying the buzzer. No, I have a new enemy now. So who was your old enemy? 95 in terms of construction oh. and uh, ah. 476 i thought that 95 like in terms and maybe this might go over your head if you're not from pa but heading into delaware 476 i like, have you ever heard the start of um kanye west's album sure i thought about killing you <laughs> i went on like an i thought about killing yeah. you monologue <laughs> while sitting in traffic i hate 476. Yeah. It's 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 now number one seed. Our, our newest it. member of our team, Julia, over here. As soon as you said that, just started shaking her head. Yeah, she's, she from, knew, she's from the University she of knew. Delaware. She probably knows all too well. Let's rattle them all off here. We got 202, mm. 422, mm. 76, 476, and 95. All which connect, by the way. PennDOT, do better. That's all I got to say. Uh, for my at the buzzer, I'm going to talk about what we were alluding to with Megan Rapino earlier in the podcast. So, um... Today, as we were recording, uh, Wednesday, or July 10th, mm -hmm. uh, the U.S. Women's National Team had their parade in New York City, um, which they elected to do instead of going to the White House. So they elected to bring it to New York City, which should give the city of New York some kind of honor, right? They, they should be happy and, and feel honored that the U.S. would pick their city, which Megan Rapinoe dubbed as the best city in the world. As she's going up to make her speech as not only a World Cup winner, the Golden Boot and Golden Ball winner of the World Cup final, they're going to announce her name to make her speech, and they mispronounce her name as Megan Rapinoe. I don't even know who, who this is. I didn't even bother to look him up, if it was some New York politician, whoever was in charge of organizing the parade, but mispronounced Megan Rapinoe's name. Like, I don't know if in the past three months you've been under some sort of rock but I don't know how you mispronounce Megan Rapinoe's last name. It's like, would you ever call him LeBron James? No. It's like, what he, it's like what he did. And that is exactly my point, is 
the U.S. women's team has been talking a lot about the disrespect that they get. And a lot of people think it's just about the dollar amount, which I don't think is the whole point of their message, okay? Because of, throughout this World Cup, they will be getting more paid more than the men's. More people watch the women's World Cup than watch the men's Gold Cup, as they should, because the men's team kind of stinks. Um, so the disrespect that they're talking about is if the men's won the gold cup or whatever tournament and got a parade do you think anybody on the men's team would get his name mispronounced no even even for that do you think that any kind of politician or anybody wouldn't know that person before they got to the parade like to mispronounce megan rapino's last name probably means that you did not know who megan rapino was before she stepped on the steps of city hall of new york city mm -hmm. that in itself is disrespectful we need to make sure we pay just as much respect to the women's team who won the biggest tournament in soccer all year for they only happens one of four years they beat every other nation in the world and the biggest player on that team can't get the respect of getting her last name pronounced right that to me just doesn't sit all too well agreed you know what i mean we got to do better whatever politician in new york i'm not even going to give you the justice of looking you up to say your name so since you mispronounced megan rapino's last name all you get to be called is that random politician in new york but that's all the time we have for this episode of straight facts it was a good one big ups to greg baron kyle sopieski and stat matt and miss julia a new member of our team behind the camera for my partner jewel schmitz it's been real it's been fun it's been real fun to my main man's jake galley i'm james jackson and these have been the facts straight up